Well, Alpa, it's been wonderful having you and your mom and sister here this weekend. Uh, both Saturday morning and this morning, we gained great insights into your ministry in Turkey. But tonight we want to focus something on your spiritual journey. <clears throat> and it's true to say that at the age of 25, this young Muslim man uh, was on his way to Ghana. Uh, his flight was redirected through Johannesburg, and he stayed in Johannesburg, and he's yet to get to Ghana. That was uh, <laughs> many years ago. Uh, his purpose coming to Joburg uh, was to learn to speak English. And he had some interesting advice. He was told the best way to learn to English is go to the pubs. They'll tolerate you trying to speak English, and I'm sure by the end of the evening they'll be talking Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> but another amazing thing is how God has just brought people across his path and gave him amazing contacts. You might not know that this young uh, Turkish Muslim man in Johannesburg became the Scrabble champion for Gauteng. Now that's some achievement. Uh, but through the, the Scrabble clubs and his achievements, he, he came into contact with a whole lot of people that opened doors for him. And while his experience was in IT and air conditioning, uh, he worked on a farm down at Falwater where he learned to speak Afrikaans. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how you got down to Falwater? Well, I, there was no English speakers there, so uh, all I need to do just hear and respond on what they say. So I learned very quickly. They call me Englishman there in the farm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Alpa, your real spiritual journey started when you came to Pretoria. Explain how you got to Pretoria from Falwata. So I met someone while in the farm. Then they, she said, um, would you like to work for me in Pretoria? <clears throat> so while I am in Pretoria, I also met someone going to church. I was always keen to see what's going on inside the church because I was never been inside. So one Sunday we went to Hatfield Church in Pretoria. After that, I like to uh, have desire to read Bible, to find out more about Christianity. Then someone gets me Turkish New Testament Bible. I start reading. Okay, and then you later were given the full Bible, not just the New Testament. Yes, because I, as I read New Testament, I couldn't link myself to connect with myself to New Testament. Uh, so I find out that there is Old Testament too. Uh, when I start read uh, from Genesis on, then I start understanding more uh, clearly to Christ. Okay. When you look back, uh, your understanding of the Old Testament gave you understanding of the New Testament. Yes, because it's like a, in order to get to Christ, I have to see how is everything started from Genesis? Then it makes me uh, understand better. In the Muslim context, the first five books of the Bible of the Old Testament are holy books and are respected by the Muslim folk. Yes, that also helps us to, uh, uh, when we read from begin, that four books, or from Old Testament, it helps us to get to know the Christ better because there's mutual things we also believe. It was very obvious that the Lord was working in your heart and giving you desire to know more. Uh, tell us about the home group and small group that you came in contact with. I was uh, reading Bible over and over again. 
myself, by myself. Then I come across Wendy and Neil McNichols in where I was stayed, Bruce family, <laughs> Bruce parents. So I went there to work on their computer, and they said we can watch documentary about Nus Ark in Turkey. As we chatted, then I find out they also Christians, then I can learn from them a little bit more. Then I said, uh, I like to get together so I, I can ask questions. Then I realize how important to actually not only read myself, to together with other Christians so I can uh, get more information about them. Then you joined a small group in Bryanston. Yeah, as we start with uh, Wendy and Neil McNichol on Tuesday, then uh, I started another home group Monday in Bryanston with uh, Jacques and Brenda Malan. Then I start, it's like a fire up me because I suddenly get to understand more from Bible. Uh, so it's true to say from when you were given the first Bible to when you accepted Christ at the Malan's Bible study was about seven years. Yes, seven years. <clears throat> Tell us about your baptism, how that came about. Well, one of the Monday I was went to again Bible study with the home group. I told them I felt urged to be baptized. Then Brenda Malang said, here is the news bulletin from church. She got yesterday. Uh, Thursday baptism class starts in, in Rosebank Union Church. So off we go to church on Wednesday to meet Pastor Lee. <laughs> Yeah. And he baptized you at Rosebank Union? Yes, correct. Yeah. Then through your contacts through the Scrabble, you were taken in by a family living in uh, Windsor. They really adopted you as their son. Uh, and then you heard about Honey Ridge and started coming here and then joined one of our Bible study groups, if you want to. Yeah, I uh, also linked with Brian Munro's Bible study group in Willows Estate with Anne and Colin Simpson. So I had at one stage three Bible study a week in different places. <laughs> but uh, I realized how important actually to be part of a home group because that's very intimate. You share your prayer requests, you become much close. Not only uh, Sunday going to church, but weekdays also you need to gather a small group so it is make you grow spiritually better. Okay. So the, the small groups were the lifeblood for you in your Christian walk? Yes, I realized that when I struggled to understand, then I asked them, then I learned a lot about from home groups. The Lord obviously burdened you to reach out to others and to give out Bibles, and so you did some of your own mission trips. Talk about that. Well, I have to go in and out of South Africa regularly once a month for visa purposes to stay legal limit. Uh, Sometimes we go to Swaziland or Lesotho or Botswana. Uh, then I, uh, one of the journey to Botswana, I was going with Interke bus. I met another Christian people in Botswana. They use, they do prison ministry. So they invite me one of the Sunday. Then they you said they said you, can you tell about Turkey a little bit? Uh, then after the Sunday service, uh, prisoners asked Bibles they didn't have. Then I said I go in 
in and out anyway, so I start bringing Bible to prisoners in Botswana. As when I come back to Brian Bible Group, uh, they also know I am going regularly to Botswana. Then, yeah, that's what my mission journey started actually. Then Colin Simpsons, we go to hospital visitation. Then Brian Munro said, uh, you can s study in Baptist Theological College so you can equip yourself better for missions. Okay, so the very next day you enrolled at Bible College at, uh, in Randburg. Uh, how did the Bible College uh, impact your ministry today? How did it equip you? Before I was doing trips my own, uh, but when I studied in a Baptist Theological College to see how important work as a team, not by individuals, but you have to work with church or your home group, or about culture, different culture, how you adapt yourself. So what can you do in situation that, yeah, it's given me lots of information about how to do better way as and, a team. And to equip you for ministry. Yes. Then after Baptist College, you went, you decided to join OM, and they put you on an orientation class. Do you want to tell us some of the things you learned in orientation? Yeah, we had six-month training, mission discipleship to, uh, training in Pretoria. We went three, four different outreach to Lesotho. You team up with different countries, people together, maybe nine, ten. Or we go Pretoria, dump sites, we minister in anyone we see. So it was quite a bit experience to be like your own and working as a team. We didn't have any leaders. So we're responsible for uh, cooking or cleaning or visiting peoples in their home and pray for them. So there was lots of learning mm. for us in six months periods. You didn't see yourself as a missionary, and yet uh, you joined OM and then they asked you to go to, to Paris. Tell us what happened there. Well, I was never, uh, France was the last country in my mind to go uh, to work there as we learn needs for Turkish speaking. So I said, I can go there. So France was, uh, first eight months we start learn French language, but it makes me realize how difficult to learn language if you cannot practice with someone you're trying to talk. But also on the plus side, the game opportunity to see how Turkish speaking people Worships because I was never know how they worship, what worship songs they have. Because of all my uh, li uh, uh, Christian life in South Africa in English, so I get to more insight of how Turkish people worship. Okay. So you had to go to Paris to see how Turkish people worship. Yes. <laughs> and, <part of> <clears throat> and then uh, the Lord led you to go to to Turkey to work amongst your own people. And as I've been reflecting on the way the Lord has led you, uh, I think it was key that you had to go to Paris to learn French because it gave you an understanding for the German, uh, Swiss or other people that have to come to Turkey and to learn a language and the, the difficulties that they face because you experienced that in Paris. And so I think that led to these homestay groups where uh, these young missionaries come to where you are and uh, stay with family members and, and orientate themselves that way. 
and uh, just amazing to see how God used that in your equipping. I believe if I didn't went through that struggle, I wouldn't understand how uh, difficult to go in some other countries trying to learn language. Minimum two years OM requires to learn language. What you need to talk with people. You cannot find anyone to talk. When I moved to Turkey, first thing in my mind to have uh, this vision of mine to help our missionaries, to give them place to stay with us and they can learn our culture while they practice language. As we wrap up, there are folk here today that work with Muslims. In your opinion, what is the best way to reach out to them in the workplace? Uh, they need a little bit time and they we have to build them relation with them, not very quick things. So you have to build relationship, you can invite for them to, them to tea or coffee, you can visit them. It's a long process, but there's always good start with talking with Old Testament stories. They can relate to you, so this uh, brings you mutual ground for start conversation. Okay, build trust, build relationship. relationship. And if they're interested to start reading the Bible, start with Genesis. Yes. Then you can take them to the New Testament and bring them back because they're familiar with the Old Testament. Yes, correct. Alpa, it's been wonderful chatting and we're just delighted that you were able to share with us this weekend. Let me pray for you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's bow in prayer. I love you, Heavenly Father. We just thank you for Alpa and his family that have been with us this weekend. Thank you for the way in which you've led Alpa, brought him to South Africa, for the people that have ministered into his life the way in which you burdened him and allowed him to seek after you. And then, Lord, as you gave him this natural desire to reach out to others, to hand out Bibles, and then for those that saw this missionary endeavor in him and encouraged him to go to Baptist College. And then as he joined OM, Lord, we just thank you for the further equipping. But thank you, Lord, that he's back in his own home country serving you, and we just pray your blessing upon him. We know it's a difficult task in a country like, uh, like Turkey, but we pray that you would just keep him encouraged and focused. We pray above all for his family, even for those who are here tonight who do not know you. We ask, Lord, that you would, <clears throat> by your spirit, draw them to yourself. Bless his ministry, we pray. We pray for them tomorrow as they fly back, that you will take them back safely. Thank you, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening. Those of you that know me and know my role in our children's home, Tandanani, will know that one of my passions in life is caring for orphans. And so it, I was really pleased that this was going to become a focus of our missions weekend this weekend. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome <clears throat> to Honey Ridge, Quentin Saunders. Quentin is a member at Central Baptist Church in Pretoria, and Central Baptist Church run a children's home very similar to Tandanani called Bethesda, where Quentin's also involved. But more than that, He's also involved in an orphan care movement internationally, and he's the South African representative and recently attended one of their conferences in the States. So 
I'd like to invite him to come up and share with us a little bit about Orphan Care International. Thank you. Okay. Okay, forgot my notes, sorry. <laughs> sure that happens a lot. Thanks. Well, good evening, everyone. It's, it's a joy to be here this evening, um, especially to be back at, at Honey Ridge. Um, my wife and I, we used to be members at Honey Ridge in, in year 2006, 7, and 8, uh, before God called me to be the youth pastor at Central Baptist Church. So it's a joy to be back. It's a joy to see uh, familiar faces, and uh, yeah, it's great to be back. Um, I bring you greetings from Central Baptist Church. I also get to serve there as an elder, uh, among, uh, alongside Pastor Charles de Kivit, and uh, yeah, so just bring greetings from, from him as well. Um, like Paul mentioned, I get to serve at Bethesda Outreach Ministries. I get to serve as the Orphan Care Development Coordinator, and then also Orphan Sunday Coordinator for South Africa. So um, let me just see if this thing works. Oh, on, okay, sorry. There we go, that's, that's, much, that's much better. Awesome, so it's great to, to be able to speak this evening about, about orphan care. And uh, I had a look on the website, and if you, if you think of orphan care, it falls under home missions. It's really being on mission for God locally. So that's, that's what we wanna focus on this evening. So most of you know that there's a great need, a great need to care for the orphan and vulnerable child. Um, they say there's about over four million orphans in South Africa. Now, it's difficult to think about that. Um, it's over four million orphans in South Africa. There are 55,000 child-headed households. Now, I want you to think about that. Uh, imagine you were 16 years old and you suddenly had to look after your siblings. You had to take over all the responsibilities in the home. 16 years old and you had to do all of that. Um, I know for some of you it feels like you're doing that. I saw some hands there. But but imagine that, imagine that's your life, 16 years old, 15 years old, and you have to run the home. And um, we've heard stories of, of young girls who had to look after their siblings, and then they would do anything just to stay in, in that home and not be put in a, in a home, and they would even lie at school, sign, um, sign stuff on behalf of their parents who passed away, just to stay in that home. So the 55,000 child-headed households in South Africa. By 2010, there were 500,000 children in the foster care system that was designed for temporary care of 50,000 children. Uh, the, department, the Department of Social Development, the department needs at least 70,000 workers to implement the, Ch the Children's Act. Currently, they have 17,500. So not only is there a huge need for, for, for caring for orphans, but also our system is, is broken. Um, you know, we, we, we see cases, caseloads of 100 to 300 children per social worker, workers. So we need to pray that more social workers will be raised up. We need to, um, but there's a huge need. Um, so what has been the church's response in history to the, to the needs of, of the orphan? Maybe you've heard stories before, but the early church responded to the needs of the orphan. Um, they, they took children in, into their families and they cared for them. Uh, there's the story as well that you've probably read before. There was this Roman practice where a child would be placed in front of, 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 a, of a Roman father. And that father then, 
if, if that father didn't pick the child up, that child was discarded. Now, that father, if, if that father didn't pick that child up, maybe it was just another mouth to feed in the home, or maybe the child had a birth defect, or maybe it was just the wrong gender. That child was, if that child was not picked up by the father, that child was discarded outside of the city, left for dead. Often, often killed by wild animals, starved to death. Um, but you know what the Christians did? The Christians went outside the city and they took the children in. They took them into their families. And they even got to the point where this practice was outlawed. So the church has always responded to the need of the orphan. You guys know the story of George Mueller. So you also know that this weekend is Reformation weekend, and I'm sure most of you have watched a lot of Martin Luther videos uh, or documentaries. So after this weekend, okay, you can watch a lot of videos about George Mueller, okay? Um, the story of George Mueller. George Mueller cared for over 10,024 orphans. Now think about that. Obviously, he didn't personally care for them, but he put up uh, orphanages, and they cared for over 10,024 orphanages. And it started by him and his wife looking after 30 young girls. Uh, there was a huge need uh, in, in England at that time, uh, children on the street, and they would end up either working in factories, almost like slave labor, or they would beg on the streets, and then George Mueller would come, and then he would take the children in, into the orphanages. Um, they provided educational opportunities for the orphans. They established 117 schools which offered Christian education. Um, they educated more than 120,000 students. And then if you read the stories of how God amazingly provided um, for the orphans and for George Mueller, it's just amazing. Uh, stories of how uh, the milkman's cart would break down in front of their orphanages uh, at the right time. And then, then they would just donate that milk to them. How God would provide amazingly. And, and he was a man of prayer. He was a man who studied the word of God and trusted God. Uh, he gave away most of his own wealth and also trusted God to provide. They said in George Mueller's time, he raised so much money for the orphan that if you, if you had to translate it to, to today's time, it would work out to something like $180 million that, that came in just to care for the orphan through George Mueller's ministry. Um, in England at that time, there were about 3,600 children cared for in the orphan care system. Uh, after George Mueller, at the end of his life, over 100,000 kids were cared for. That's through one man being obedient to God, trusting God, and seeing God move. Isn't that amazing? So we've seen the church respond. We've seen individuals respond to the great need um, to the orphan. Now, just a bit of theology uh, about orphan care. Where do, we find, uh, where, where do we find that we need to care for the orphan? If you read your Bible, you will see it all over the scriptures. You know passages like James 1.27. We know it well. James 1.27 says that, the, that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Ultimately, James is saying this is what, what, what faith lived out looks like. This is what faith in action looks like. If you say that you have faith, it's going to look like something. It's going to look like caring for the orphans and the widows. And, and this is not an exhaustive list, but it's going to look like something. Your faith is going to look like something. And of course, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God. Ultimately, what we are doing is we're not caring for the orphans so that people would think we are great. 
Ultimately, we're caring for the orphan and the widow, ultimately because our religion is practiced before God, isn't it? You know, the, you know passages like Psalm 68, verse five to six. Listen to what it says. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. That's, that's who our God is. He's the father of the fatherless and the protector of the widows. And then verse six says, God settles the solitary in a home. He settles the lonely in a home. He leads out prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So God is known as the father of the fatherless. Um, you know other passages like Psalm 10 verse 14. It speaks about God being the helper of the fatherless. But another passage, Genesis 1:26. Uh, ultimately, we, we value people because people are made in the image of God. People are made with value and dignity and worth and are to be, to, to be seen as, as or to be respected. When we look at someone, they're made in the image of God, so we, we are to care for them. And, and that's also another motivation why we care for orphan and vulnerable children. Um, then a passage, Galatians 4, verse 4, that says, But when the fullness of time had, co- had come, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God came to redeem us so that we can be adopted as sons. Ultimately, we understand adoption as children of God. God adopted us into our family when we needed it. He took the initiative when we were at our most vulnerable. He reached out to us so we understand what it's like to be vulnerable and needy and desperate for help. And therefore, we extend that same kind of help to the orphan and the vulnerable child. Because we know what it's like to be helped, isn't it? We know what it's like. Then we know a passage like John 1 verse 14. It says that, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ in his incarnation took on human flesh and he tabernacled among us. He, he made his home among us. He dwelt among us and as someone has said before, he stepped into our mess. He stepped into our story to come and give us hope and to save us. And in the same way, it's not, orphan care ministry is not always glamorous. It's not always, we, so, we sometimes step in to messy situations. And it's difficult and it's not always easy. But we know and we've seen Jesus Christ do that. And we can do the same. So, so we know what the Bible teaches about orphan care. And of course there are many other passages. Those are just a few passages that I wanted to highlight. So, so we have a theology of orphan care um, ministry. But what is your response? What is your response? Now, you know what? I've been in orphan care ministry for a couple of years and I've been in the church for, for many years, but I've never met some, a Christian come to me and say, you know what, I just can't stand orphans, never. I've never met Christians who come to me and say, you know what, I just don't uh, like children being cared for and being placed into loving families because everyone loves that. Everyone, everyone has a heart for the orphan and the vulnerable. Um, we don't, we don't hear people say things like, you know, we, we, we like seeing children in vulnerable situations. None of us like that. Isn't that true? 
If I ask you today, do you care about the orphan? Of course you're gonna, you're gonna say that you do care about the orphan if you're a child of God. So it's, it's not that you don't care, but most of us, if we are honest, sometimes we don't know how to care. It's like, I care, but what does it look like? What does it look like for me to care for the orphan? What does it look like for me as a student? I can't adopt, you know, I can't foster. What does it look like for me to care for the orphan? What does it look like for a pensioner to care for the orphan? Maybe you can't adopt, you can't foster. How does it, what does it look like for me? So I know that you care, but most of you maybe just don't know how to care. So, and also I don't want you to get overwhelmed. We look at men like George Mueller and we think, yo, what a worm. Man, I'm, what a worm am I? I'm such a small and significant person in this world compared to a George Mueller. But I don't want you to get overwhelmed. Firstly, George Mueller didn't plan to be George Mueller, okay? He was just faithful to God and God did amazing things through him. But um, don't get overwhelmed. So how do you eat a cow? One, one little bite of that steak at a time, okay? Okay, sorry for the vegetarians, but just, you just one little bite, okay? Medium, medium rare, one little bite at a time. Um, I'm sorry, I just made that even more gross. But, um, but don't get overwhelmed by, by the need that, you, that we see around us. Um, the question is, what do you have to bring? Just sit down and make a list and say, what do I have to bring to care for the orphan and, and vulnerable child? Um, here are just some ways that you can be involved and how you can care for, for the orphan and vulnerable child. Firstly, get involved with Tandanani, House of Refuge. Get involved. Um, we're going to have a sign-up sheet at the back and, and a flyer that you can take. Sign up. Okay, we're not going to sign you up to adopt. Okay, so do we not, uh, some of you might. Some of you are maybe at that place where you are like, man, I, I'm thinking of that and I want to hear more and I need more information. And, but, but sign up at the back. Take a flyer. Um, get involved in their care leavers program. Uh, I've seen that with Tandanani and also where we are at at Bethesda Outreach Ministries. Young people leave our care ministry they, they, the, and they move into the, what we call the next steps or the, um, the aging out program. And, and what do they do? And so you can come alongside them and say, we want to help those young people who are moving into the workspace or who's going to go study and we want to come help them. Again, I want you to think about this. Can you remember the time when you, you went off to varsity? Uh, you remember what you needed just to go study. You remember how you had people, how you had team, how you maybe had your parents around you who got you settled in, who moved your stuff around for you. Go be that to some of those care leavers. Look out for bursaries for them. If you, if you can provide a bursary, provide bursaries for them. Practical ways that you can get involved. Um, I hear that they're going to move from, from Sunsprite to a couple of meters just down the road. Help them move. Find out when they're moving. Bring trucks and help them move. Decorate the homes. Maybe you're skilled in decorating, okay? Just get someone to, to confirm that you're skilled in decorating, <laughs> okay? Don't be that person. Like, I'll decorate and, and then, you know, your husband says, maybe you shouldn't do that. But maybe, that's, maybe God has gifted you in that. Do that for them. Um, Help them move in. Um, become a mentor to a care leaver. Just say to one of those kids who are moving from Tandanani in a couple of years' time, say, I want to mentor you for a year. I just want to meet up with coffee. That's what it's, I want to meet up with coffee, and I just want to hear how you're doing with your studies or what you're going to do. Give some career guidance. I just want to tell you how to work with money. I just, I just want to help you to not make stupid mistakes. Just be that person. Have a coffee. 
reach out. Um, use your gifts and your resources. Um, use your business. I don't know if you've got a business. I've, I've got no idea. Maybe, but maybe you've got a business here. Give 10% discount to those who have adopted or those who are fostering in your community. Have a huge sign outside that says 10% discount to all orphan care families. Wouldn't that be great? People see that you've got a heart and suddenly there'll be conversations around that. Baking. Okay, I know some ladies can bake. Um, I think some ladies can. Okay. But again, just confirm with your, your husband or your friends. Or, but, but I think there's 22 children at the moment at Tananani, if I'm not mistaken. I saw on the website. 22 children that'll have a birthday in, in the year. 22 cakes. Just start a list. I mean, just simple ways. Just start a list and get 10, 10 ladies to bake a cake and just go deliver it. I mean, to the children and say, this is from us as a church. We just want to love you. We just want to say we care about you. Um, there are families in this church that cares about you. So, so use your, your gifts, baking, medical services. Maybe you, you've, got a, you've got a practice, a dental practice. Just say, I want to I give one hour a week to uh, orphan care ministry in this area or to a baby home. I just want to, oh, baby home, teeth, anyway. Anyways, okay, yes, to, who's got toddlers, okay? The point is, offer some, some of your services. Say one hour, I'm just going to give one hour of what I've got. What do you have that you can give? Um, maybe some, some of you've got a holiday home. Find out who's just recently adopted and say to them, I want to bless you with our holiday home. Just go away for a weekend for free. Do that. Um, do a study on orphan care in your, in your home group and see what comes out of that. Um, create awareness. Uh, do, do be, be an advocate for, for the orphan. Support an adoption and foster fund. We've recently started an, an, orphan, an orphan fund. Uh, one of our members in our church had that idea and said, I want to start this. So we are helping him at Bethesda. And so what we want to do is we want to remove the obstacles from people who want to adopt or people who are fostering and they're finding it difficult to pay school fees or those kind of things. We want to, we want to help them with a the load. And maybe you're even thinking of fostering or adopting and you're thinking, where do I get the finances? Well, please come speak to us. Money, money is starting to come in, into that fund. Come and speak to us and we want, to, we, want, we want to just get it out. So come and speak to us about that. Then, of course, adopt or foster. Not everyone can adopt, not everyone can foster, not everyone should, um, but we can all do something. I know there's a lot happening at Honey Ridge already. There's a lot happening at Honey Ridge. You don't need to invent all the different ministries in orphan care, but all you need to do is say, what do we have as a church? What are the paths that we're already walking on? We've already got a discipleship ministry. Let's just see how we can disciple orphans and vulnerable children. We've already got a Sunday school ministry. How do we... Um, Connect that with, with, um, with orphans and vulnerable children. Um, sometimes churches don't think about this, but when they are doing marriage counseling, when they are busy with family support, do you know what you're doing? You are busy with prevention. So you are helping that children do not end up in the foster care system. So without churches realizing it, they are busy with, with orphan care, uh, but the prevention and other times you are involved with the intervention where it's adoption and fostering and kin, uh, kinship care. But then also some churches are involved in the restoration. And they don't realize, but oh, we're busy with, with orphans here. Um, most prison ministries, 
Most um, mercy ministries, if you speak to those people, where do they come from? Most of them come from the, the, the orphan care system. And they go out there and they don't, don't get support and they end up in drugs, depend, you know, dependency, divorce, and, and all these things. But maybe your church is already involved in all of that. So what do we do at Central Baptist Church? Our staff gets involved at Bethesda Outreach Ministry. You can get involved at Tandanani. Uh, our youth came out to Bethesda and they did a day camp. And you know what I loved about it? I couldn't tell the difference between our church's young people and our Bethesda young people because they came and they served them and they loved them with dignity. They, they cared about them. Um, from the pulpit, you know, when you speak about God as Father, we can speak about God's orphan heart, a heart for the orphans. Um, prayer, mention the orphan and, and the vulnerable. And then, of course, uh, pastoral care. Donations, give donations. Uh, Holiday Bible Club, invite orphan care ministries into to, 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 to the church. Summer camps, sponsor an orphan, or sponsor for, to go on, a, on summer camp. And then I just want to mention again the Lalapa Orphan Fund, that's what we did. That's another thing that you can do as well or support the Orphan Fund. And then lastly, this is what our church also did, a great ministry. It's called the Hidden Treasure Ministry. So I'm going to put that out there, out there as well. It's a Baptist women's ministry, but they, it's a shop that we started. It's a charity shop. So people bring unwanted stuff and the ladies, uh, people from our church and on Watercliffe as well, they serve and they volunteer their time at this place. And then they sell their secondhand stuff. So they have brought in, so the money split between Bethesda Outreach and then also our retirement centers. But last year, they brought in 200,000 rand for us. Isn't that amazing? Just through a secondhand uh, shop, a charity shop. That's something that you can start. Maybe some of the ladies say, I want to start that. It's hard work but it's something to do. I want to close with this. Thanks for your time. But I want to close with this. Uh, Jason Johnson, one of the guys at, at CAFO, said this. He says, we are not all called to do the same thing, but we're all capable of doing something. Okay? We can't do everything, but we can all do something. So I want you to please pray as we go ahead to find out what is your something. What is your something? Please pray about that. Thank you.